Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Who are you? Where do you come from? Where are you going? These are the questions some in the West are asking about a group of nations in the developing world who are trying to synchronize their endeavor to boost growth and have bigger say in global finance. In the latest installment of the magazine The Economist, a question is asked, what's the point of BRICS? 14 years after the group came into being, what's the point of BRICS? The West asks. Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to a special edition of uh, The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. Earlier, I had a panel discussion with four guests from different parts of the world. Professor Zhang Gong from University of International Business and Economics, Israel. Charles Okechuku Onu Naiju, Director of the Center for China Studies of Nigeria. Gerd Johannes Grobler, a former senior diplomat of South Africa, and Professor Klaus Larris of History and International Affairs of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Here is our discussion. Mr. Grobler, let me go to you first. I don't know whether you read that article or not about what is the point of the BRICS. To me, that says a little bit about how the liberal media is covering the, the grouping that's important to developing countries and increasingly. What would be your answer to this variolic uh, snipe to, to BRICS? Well, thank you very much. It's, it's, it's great to, to be here. And I was just uh, saying that I had... Uh, I attended some of the BRICS meetings and uh, there has been a very upbeat, a very positive mood here in South Africa hosting BRICS, uh, amongst others from the business forum, the BRICS business forum, that BRICS has, is a catalyst for positive change in our polarized world. Uh, and, and it's therefore not surprising that uh, so many global South countries identifies with the values, the vision espoused by BRICS. Uh, and it is, it is, this is evident in the significant number of countries who now are appealing or wanting to join BRICS. The BRICS leaders and some of the meetings I, I attended have uh, reaffirmed their commitment uh, to to a multipolar world as, as the only way or the best way to address the common challenges uh, that uh, humanity faces, and that through international cooperation. And I must say, uh, a comment by the, by the, by the uh, economist is typical of what you see from the Western media. Uh, but it was very interesting. There was an article that appeared in a very uh, reputable London newspaper called the London Observer. And I would like to quote from that because I think uh, that sort of summarizes uh, the current geopolitical situation. I'll quote it quickly. It says, mm -hmm. quote, if it sounds like a cold war and it looks like a cold war, then it probably is a new cold war. And it says, and it poses this very important question: For what other interpret, uh, for what, what other interpretation, 
is there to be placed on the U.S. President Biden's latest and ongoing ramping up of diplomatic, economic and military pressure on China. There will be a very strong emphasis on, on creating a better, fair, a more balanced world and with a strong emphasis on international cooperation. So the economists, the economists I mean, I, I read it regularly, uh, comment is totally inappropriate. Mr. Grobler, um, let me follow up very quickly um, because you've made some very interesting points. And uh, um, one of the things that people uh, base their dismissiveness on is that it seems that, you know, after 14 years of uh, being in existence, this group has um, not made huge splashes, you know, in the international scene. How would you answer that? What has this group achieved concretely over the past 14 years? The share of the BRICS economy has almost doubled in its importance to the global economy. But as, as a group, what tangible things can we point to now we're looking at it 14 years after his birth? If you, you look at the, the communiques of, of the BRICS summits over the last number of years, there has been constructive decisions taken on, first of all, the attention on the global south to create a better world, to create, as I said, a more just and equitable world. Uh, and, 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 and that still remains the, the, the key focus of BRICS. And I am sure that if one looks at the... Uh, from what I've heard, what is happening, we are probably going to see whether it's in the field uh, of, 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 I mean, BRICS is such a multifaceted, multi-sectorial organization. And if you look at the number of, of meetings, but not only meetings, but decisions that have been taken, and it, one would need time to unpack all of this, whether it's in the field of, of, of a trade, investment, whether it's health, whether it's digital, there mm -hmm. are umpteenth number of mechanisms. And in fact, this year, as was the case last year in China, mm. there were more than 200 meetings of BRICS mechanisms, yeah. which all took concrete, okay. tangible decisions. We have a, a representative from one Africa country who is very interested in joining the BRICS and let's get uh, their perspective. Mr. Ono Naidu uh, joining us from Nigeria. So tell us a bit, what do people in Nigeria think of BRICS and why is Nigeria interested to be part of it? Um, thank you. Um, thank you for the privilege to be on the point, a uh, very unique platform to advance a discourse on a global scale. Um, for us in Nigeria here, yeah, right even before this summit, there have been quite a lot of discourse, you know, written articles written in several leading Nigerian newspapers by several well-known Nigerian figures uh, demanding that the country take its place in BRICS, insisting that the Nigeria should uh, go in that direction. So um, there had been a popular understanding among Nigerians that Nigeria should get involved in the BRICS mechanism and uh, make contribution and as well engage the opportunities provided by BRICS.
Um, so I can assure you that there is a grand square of uh, positive uh, view of BRICS among Nigerians. Well, and, what kind uh, of opportunities this, uh, are, li are Nigerians looking into specifically? Yes, of course, like you know, we have uh, basically economic, you know, essentially economic and of course uh, political. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Nigeria has challenge of uh, economy, especially the monocultural economy of dominant production of commodities. So, of course, the, the BRICS will offer us a serious uh, opening in terms of economic diversification. Economic mm -hmm. diversification has been a key team, has been a major team of Nigerian economic construction for several decades, you know, breaking out from essential uh, export of uh, commodities, natural commodities, right. especially oil, in a huge distortion. So the idea of BRICS is something people thought is going to give us a broader market and uh, it will also open us up to inflow of investment from diverse sources and especially uh, as you know yeah. china is a critical strategic partner for nigeria and uh, other countries in the bridge are also a very important uh, uh destination for before i forget i do want to follow up with one more question and mr ono nado uh, why not enhancing your trip with the G7, with the developed countries which can buy more of your products? Why the developing countries which have limited purchasing power or consumer capacity, let's say? V very short, please. Uh, well, you, you, you may wish to know that in the past 50 years or so of uh, post-independent Nigeria, you know, the structural nature of our economy, which is tied to the West, has generated uh, a lot of distortions, and like I told you, has uh, simply boxed up into producing only commodities, and uh, which has not helped the economy. We have this stranglehold of uh, commodity economy, especially export of oil, which takes in almost 97% of okay. our foreign exchange receipts. So there is a challenge to diversify this. And the structural nature, the, 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 the traditional structure of international okay. economy in which Nigeria was integrated has yeah. not enabled us to fully exploit uh, the opportunity of diversifying the economy. So I think BRICS offers this essentially, basically, the idea of diversification of Nigerian economy, mm -hmm. especially exposing, moving into, up to the industrial chain and mm -hmm. uh, getting involved in the industrial chain is a critical factor in I Nigeria see. as part of the okay. debate. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Professor Laras, let me go to you. You are the representative of the Western narrative here. <laughs> but please disagree if you, if you wish to. Um, the question really is, you know, a lot of these reports are saying, look, this block is trying to bring down the Western dominance or they're trying to disrupt or challenge the, the current world, or world order that's dominated by the West. But my question really is, why shouldn't the West's dominance be challenged? Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the question. It's a pleasure to represent the entire Western world here, <laughs> as the, which I'm unable to do. Uh, let me first say it is an important meeting, clearly. But I would like to say that the expansion of an organization, and that is, of course, the intention of the BRICS meeting or one of the intentions, does not necessarily lead to its success. When you look at the European Union with its 27 uh, members now, that hasn't always made life more successful or easy, easier for the participating states. And then also uh, what but we what, see in What the do you base your doubts on? Why do you think it's yeah. not a short um, result? 
No, not necessarily, because uh, um, now you have five members, they can relatively easily uh, communicate with each other and talk to each other despite certain tension, for example, between India and China. Uh, but it is easier to discuss things among five members than among 10 or among 20 members. This makes life simply more complicated. Look at the United Nations, for example, as the General Assembly. Look at also partially at least at the European Union with 27 members. It simply is more complicated and uh, needs a greater effort. But what I do notice in the international media and elsewhere is that block thinking that the BRICS are being co are competing with the G7 and the G7 are worried about the BRICS meeting. And I think that is the wrong approach. There is no harm in having the BRICS uh, meeting and having another organization which hopefully brings economic development to the global south and perhaps other parts of the world. Um, so I think that uh, thinking in competition between the G7 and the BRICS is really misplaced. Both blocks, if you call them blocks, both organizations should really try to cooperate with each other for the sake of the global south and of course for other countries as well. And that I think should be one of the uh, objectives of the current BRICS meeting to perhaps reach out to the G7 uh, and to find common ground and common cooperation to the benefit in the last resort to all of us. Do you think even if the BRICS would reach out to the G7, do you think they would uh, be met with open arms or do you think right now, uh, yes. you know, in, yes. in the at current atmosphere, as uh, Mr. Grobler described, do you think it is possible? <laughs> No, absolutely. I think Russia is, of course, a big problem case, and it's very difficult to reach out to uh, Putin, who is conducting a terrible, aggressive war on Ukraine. There's lots of war crimes being committed, and so on, and so on. But uh, there are close connections between South Africa, for example, and the Western world. There are close connections between India and also between China and the Western world, despite all tension which we heard about okay. before between, right. uh, China and Western world, there are also many, many contexts still, and they should be uh, strengthened and, uh, mm. and improved upon. They should yeah. not be further made more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Professor Gong, yeah, <laughs> finally, it's your turn. What is the biggest point you want to, re you want to address at this moment? You've heard so much. Um, I, I, I will start by addressing the initial question you asked at the very beginning of the program. What's the point of BRICS? Uh, certainly, BRICS is a political organization designed to counter the um, the weight and the uh, condescending uh, arrogance, in my view, towards the global south. Um, it, it is a it's a place where the global south, the developing countries, the emerging market economies can get together to voice their opinion regarding uh, global matters. Uh, I think the fundamental answer lies in uh, South Africa President uh, Ramaphosa's speech. Uh, he specifically said that, you know, uh, developing countries are not going to be bullied by the West to side with a, a certain political position. I think that speaks to volume about the current situation between, you know, the South and the North. Um, but other than that, I would say the comparison between um, G7, G12, G7 and, and BRICS is probably not that appropriate because BRICS is fundamentally about a non-alignment uh, 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 cause. It, it's a partnership. It's not a uh, alliance versus the G7 is a total alliance. I mean, they synchronize things on um, a range of political, even defense issues. Um, and, and also, I want to also add another point. 
BRICS is more than just a talking place. Um, BRICS has a uh, functioning bank called uh, Nash, uh, a New Development Bank under the directive of the BRICS. It has made, you know, if I remember this correctly, $33 billion of loan uh, to uh, many developing countries for economic development. So clearly another very interesting and also very important um, uh, mission of the BRICS is for economic development. Um, you know, in also again, in uh, President uh, Ramaphosa's speech, he specifically called for total transformation of the international financial institutions. You talk about making these loans to the developing world without conditions, exactly as uh, the new development bank has been doing, right. and exactly opposite to what, you know, organizations like the IMF and the World Bank have been doing. So, so I think, um, you know, if you look at the economic agenda of BRICS, uh, the political agenda of the BRICS, um, there's an entire reason why this should exist. Uh, you know, so, so in that regard, I totally reject the article you cited by uh, economists. Um, it, it doesn't sync up with the reality at all. And it doesn't speak up with the status of the of the, of the publication, you know, looked up to, looked up upon by so many people around the world. Mr. Ono Naidu, what do countries such as Nigeria think of the hyped risks that by joining BRICS, you might become, say, a satellite of China or a member of the fan club of China. What do you think of that? Yes, uh, I assure you something that uh, in Nigeria, there is a clear understanding that um, uh, China is uh, the, the internal structure, the nature and structure of national China, uh, contemporary state has not uh, any element of um, uh, bullying has no element of uh, traditional imperialist state that we have known in the past. So I think uh, there is a clear understanding here that we are dealing with a state with a different nature, historical background and different nature, okay. whose activities we can understand within the international system. But essentially, let me tell you, we have challenges, um, the excruciating debt burden arising from our debt being denominated in U.S. dollars. The stranglehold of the U.S. dollars is ruining small-scale businesses, driving the country to bankruptcy, driving small businesses to bankruptcy. There is a general feeling that we need to engage the opportunities of several baskets of international currency. These are some of the traditional challenges. These are some of the challenges we have. Mm -hmm tied to the traditional structure of Western-dominated economy. So the BRICS offers a way out. The BRICS offers a scope of fresh air into Nigeria getting on a fresh start. Mm. And more important, okay. like you may know, uh, countries like Nigeria, we are never a part in designing the framework of the existing international financial architecture yeah. dominated by Western. Like you know, the IMF is alternated between either an European president, right. the IMF and World Bank is dominated by either European president or American president. So I think this for us means getting engaged with drafting the essential framework of international financial architecture. So being at the table, having your imprint at the table for us is a good start. Mm -hmm. And BRICS offers that kind of historic okay. starting point for us. And okay. that for me is an essential aspect of Nigerian vision to become part of BRICS. And Thank not you. just Nigeria, but South African countries yeah. and developing countries. Thank you. Mr. Grobler, what is your reaction to the doubt that when the group becomes bigger, it's more 
you know, difficult to come to consensus and, and take actions. BRICS, as I mentioned before, and, and some of my the other commentators also mentioned, has really accomplished a lot in terms of e economic development, uh, general development, health, and so forth. So that 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 will continue. Uh, the expansion of BRICS uh, is a, a fact. It's something that's going to happen for admission. Uh, there are various models on the table, but I do, do not have a problem with the expansion of BRICS in the sense that we of the world population belongs to the developing world. And the role of BRICS is to create a role and, and ex extend the voice of the, the developing world. It's not that you're going to have 40 countries uh, being part of BRICS. It's, it's going to be a well-planned, well-organized, phased in expansion. Okay. But in the end, BRICS will be uh, better equipped to deal with the kind of problems that the world, uh, the developing world is experiencing, and, and mention yeah. was made, of the need to restructure the international multilateral order, whether it's the UN, whether it's the World Bank, the IMF, all those things. And, and, uh, and, and that will be the main yeah. focus of BRICS as okay. we move forward. Professor Laris, uh, do you think the West has a lesson to learn in how they neglected the BRICS for years and for years and all of a sudden realizing that it's a full-grown full boy, 14-year-old? <laughs> well, uh, definitely. I mean, the West did neglect Africa, for example, also South America. They woke up to the fact that they did so when other countries, for example, China and also Russia, moved into these continents and created lots of uh, working relationships, lots of friendships, lots of influence and the power base there. And that, of course, woke up the West, said, oh, we overlooked these continents. And that was a good thing because neglecting Africa and South America, for example, was certainly not uh, something to be proud of. But the West has been made aware of that, is trying to catch up. And whether uh, the BRICS is already fully grown up, we will see. You know, and whether the A robust, hot-blooded teenager. <laughs> whether, whether the extension of BRICS will lead to something positive, we will also see. Okay. I think the proof is in the results. And if the results are positive, if it really leads to a lot of more economic mm. development of the global south, then I think it was the right thing to do. Mm. But it, is, it really needs to be proven. So far, we talk about expansion, what it might bring about, what the result might be. We want to see the results, hopefully, in a, a few years and not in, in 10 or 20 years, okay. but in the next few years. Okay. Professor Gong, finally to you. Uh, people would say we have the United Nations. We have already many, many international organizations, including ones grouping developing countries. Why is BRICS special? And also to Professor Lara's question, how can we prove to the world that BRICS can make a difference? Well, I think um, BRICS is unique, as I said, more than just a talking place. You know, it's a, it's a place where actions are taking place. Um, I think for, mo for many, I would say, for most African countries, as well as developing countries, the development, economic development is the first priority. Uh, in that regard, 
uh, BRICS, ACA, the NDB, uh, the new German bank, have already taken actions. Um, as a matter of fact, what sets it apart from place. regional organizations with developing countries? For instance, the African Union. We have uh, we have African free trade agreement as well. You know, various mechanisms to to group <coughs> developing countries. But what is special about BRICS? Is it transcontinental? Is it because of its differences? Exactly. It, it transcends uh, geographic boundaries. It represents the voice of the global south. Uh, represents Africa, represents uh, South America, represents many uh, developing countries in Asia, uh, the Arab world as well. There's got to be a uh, more of a voice in consensus developed from that very block, very large block of the world <coughs> encountering the inference, encountering okay. the, the total uh, uh, dominance. dominance of these, but these developed countries, the, the G7, for All example, right. the seven richest countries. We have uh, to. You know, making orders. We have to leave it there. No wonder the West is paranoid, <laughs> is afraid at this moment that BRICS may grow too fast, too strong. We have to leave it there. Hard work is in the details and in unity. Many thanks to my guests, uh, Professor Zhang Gong, Vice President and of Research and Strategy of the University of International Business and Economics, Israel, Charles Okwechuku. Ono Naiju, Director of Center for China Studies of Nigeria, Gerd Johannes Grobler, a former senior diplomat from South Africa, and Professor Klaus Laris, History and International Affairs, Professor from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts.